0: Israel becoming a nation is so crucial to where we are on God's calendar. Read with me, and I'm going to take a little time to read this because it is so important. Read with me in Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him, showing him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Now I'm going to skip here for a moment over to verse 32, but... As Jesus begins to lay it out to him, he said, you're going to see wars, and you're going to hear rumors of wars, and you're going to see disease, and you're going to see storms. These things are happening literally all over the world in a way that they have never happened before. But I want to make this real clear. When we say to the world, these are the signs that Jesus, the Messiah, is getting ready for the second coming. The world will say, well, we've always had wars, we've always had diseases, we've always had natural disasters, but we've got to understand that we have never had them on the scale that we're having them right now. The Bible talks about it being like the birth pangs. When a woman is getting ready to have a baby, the birth pangs will begin, but then they'll intensify and intensify and intensify. And that is exactly what's happening around the world. But yet the Bible says that this is not the sign that will prove that God is getting ready to establish his kingdom once and for all. Read with me in verse 32, the sign. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know it's, it's near at the very doors— Assuredly, I say unto you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no man knows, no, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. God says, when you see the wars and rumors of the wars and earthquakes and storms and pestilence and all these things taking place... And when they begin to multiply, and then you see Israel become a nation again, know this, I will prove to the world that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Israel. I am the God of all gods. Because when Israel becomes a nation, it will be a sign to the nations of the world that I am God and my word is my word. Can I have a loud amen? Amen. Isaiah says these words concerning this. He said, I will prove to the world by this one thing that I am God. Jeremiah, the prophet says, behold, a day is coming when it won't be said, remember when we left Egypt. Every year when we celebrate Passover with our Jewish brothers and sisters and we do a big Seder dinner, we always say at the end what Jews have said in every Passover, in every part of the world. They've always said as they remember Passover and the miracle of God bringing Israel out of Egypt, at the end for 2,000 years they will say this prayer next year in Jerusalem. But the prophet Jeremiah said there'll come a time that we won't have to say next year in Jerusalem because God will give us Jerusalem back and we will be in Jerusalem and we will not say remember when we came out of Egypt but we'll say remember when God brought us out of the north and the south in the east and the west. Remember when God reached into Russia and reached into Europe and reached into America and made us a nation again. Once God returns the land to Israel, Israel was then commanded to God to Aliyah to return to be caught up. Okay, We know that everything God does has a physical and a spiritual. As you see Jews from around the world or Aliyah, they're returning back to the land of Israel. There's not only going to be a physical return to Israel, but there is going to be a spiritual return to Israel. You and I are not called by God to physically return to Jerusalem, but we are called by God, according to the scriptures, to spiritually return to Israel and become the kind of bride that Jesus got married to when he was here on earth. Can I have an amen? Now watch this. The Bible says in the prophet Isaiah says when the Gentiles will begin to live according to the Torah When the Gentiles who believe in the Messiah will begin to live according to the Torah In Ephesians Paul calls it the one new man when we add to our faith their knowledge And when they add to their knowledge our faith God will rebuild the temple and as the, as the Gentiles begin to live according to the word of God, the Torah, as they begin to live it, it will provoke the Jews to jealousy. That as they begin to see us keeping Shabbat, as they begin to see us keeping Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as they begin to see us eating kosher hot dogs at the church picnic, As they begin to see this, and then the blessing of God is poured out upon us, they will look to us and they will say, Why are you so blessed? You eat what we eat, you pray the way we pray, you celebrate the way we celebrate. Why are you so blessed? Tell us your secret. It will provoke them. It will stimulate them. Not in a negative way, in a positive way. And we'll say, yes, we've learned what the Torah says. But the one who taught us is our rabbi. And our rabbi's name is Yeshua. And he is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. And then they'll be stimulated back to the Torah. And the Messiah will come. Somebody shout amen. There is a great rabbi that died about 10 years ago, about 12 years ago, right when God was moving Tiz and I back to the Jewish roots. His name was Rabbi Schneerson, one of the greatest, greatest rabbis in the history of the world. And he takes the prophecy of Isaiah of talking about Gentiles who believe in the Messiah and beginning to live once again like the first church did, according to the Torah. According to the word of God, listen to the prophecy he gave right before he passed away. In Isaiah, it says not only will the Gentiles return to the word of God, but because of that, he will raise up Gentiles, Isaiah says, that will be priests and Levites amongst the nations. This is the anointing. This is the, the ministry. This is the supernatural. In response to this prophecy, Rabbi Schneerson says, how can a non-Jew have such spiritual power. Many Jews abandon the Torah to assimilate or to fit in with the Gentile world, to look like the Gentiles so they wouldn't be persecuted, to look like the Gentiles who did not follow the Torah, the Word of God. So as soon as the Gentiles who God brings back to His Word, they will quickly lead the Jews who have strayed Back to God. Listen to this. He goes on in the prophecy. The world is ready right now for the coming of the Messiah. When the Gentile is seen keeping God's word, the Jew will ask him, why do you do this? And the Jew will not be able to get this out of his mind. These Gentiles are keeping the word of God. He goes on to say, the Gentile who comes back to the Torah, the Ten Commandments, They will begin to keep the Sabbath, eat proper, celebrate Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, which are, remember Malachi, return unto me and I'll return unto you. How do we return? In tithes and in offerings. Offerings are Passover, Sukkot. And Shavuot, those are the three. He said they'll begin to eat eat proper, keep the Sabbath, celebrate Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shukot. Then every Jew will run to embrace God's word. Now listen to this prophecy. This is the same year God took Tiz and I to Israel. I had that experience in Capernaum and God said, I'm going to teach you to reread the Bible through the eyes of a Jewish Jesus, not of a Gentile Jesus. Listen to how he finishes his prophecy. The Gentiles themselves have no idea that they are ready. They have never heard of the seven Noetic laws, but God will raise up teachers to teach them They will come back to the word. When they come back to the word, the Jews will come back to the word, and the Messiah will come and rule and reign in Jerusalem. We're that generation. Somebody shout amen. All right. Read with me now in Matthew chapter 25. We talked about the signs. What will be the signs of your coming? Now the question is, is when the bridegroom comes for the bride... If he came today, would you be ready? Read Matthew chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven, this is a continuation of this prophecy. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out uh, to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and they slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go gather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him in the wedding, and the door was shut. Now, I want to show you something today when we're talking about wars and rumors of wars, the sign. Then we're talking about um, Israel becoming a nation. Then we're talking about Jews physically, Aliyah, returning, being caught up. But I want to talk to you about you and I being. One of those ten virgins. And every one of us in this building is either, if you're born again, is either a wise virgin or a foolish virgin. And the way we can tell is by looking at a Jewish wedding in the time of Jesus and before. Okay, the first thing we need to understand is in Hebrew there is no word, there is no word in Hebrew for bridegroom or bride. Because in Hebrew, it is not a man picking a woman or a woman picking a man, but it is families picking each other. In the time of Jesus, these were arranged marriages. You go back in the Old Testament and you see where, where uh, uh, Abraham or Isaac would send a servant and he would send the servant into another village because it was time for his son to have a bride. Now, they would never get engaged to someone in the same village because there's too much chance of a relationship. So they would go and send a servant to a strange village, another village, and talk to a family, and they would arrange a marriage. That's why it's so important that you understand that you and I cannot accept Jesus Christ just any time we want to. The Bible says concerning a Jewish wedding... No man calls Jesus Lord except the Spirit draws him. This Spirit, this Holy Spirit has come to lead us and guide us and serve us. This Holy Spirit has come to teach us. This is the simulation of a servant of a master's house. That servant would be sent, and he said, I want you to go find a bride. That bride wasn't picking a husband. That husband wasn't picking a bride, but it was the father sending a servant and talking to that that bride-to-be to see if she would want to accept this young man as her husband. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. Now what you've got to understand is, is that if that servant went and said, are you interested, if she said no, there was no guarantee she would get married again. Hopefully somebody else would come along, maybe somebody else would come along. That's what we've got to understand is, if you're in this building today, or if you're watching by television, or if you're watching by stream, and you're not saved, and you're not born again, or maybe you're backslid, you've fallen away, today is the day of salvation. You can't put it off till tomorrow and say, I'll decide, no man calls Jesus Lord except the Spirit comes and presents himself for that bridegroom. Can I have an amen? Amen. This is an arranged marriage, and the servant would come to a village, and he would meet this woman. If she agreed that she would be married to this young man who she's not met yet, a mohar, a price would be agreed upon to be paid. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, your life concerning a bride, your life is not your own. It is bought with a price, not of silver and gold, but of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When we say yes to Jesus, when a bride would say yes to a bridegroom she hasn't met yet, at that point her life is not her own. 32 years ago, a price was paid that I agreed on. He took my sins, but he also got my life, and my life is not my own, and I cannot say no, Lord, once I've agreed to the price. Oh, I need a better amen than that. So once the mohar, the price has been determined to be paid on, then she is not her own, but she now belongs jointly and legally to that family. Now watch this. Now this marriage is not legal until the price is paid in full. So after the price has been agreed upon, the servant then goes back to the master's house. Even though they've not met, she's agreed to the price, and she is now committed To a husband, she's never yet seen. This is why 1 Peter 1 says, Having not yet seen him, you love him, though now you don't see him, yet you believe and you rejoice. This bride has never seen this young man. A servant came, a stranger came and said, He will pay a price if you agree to be his bride. He will pay a price for you. This is a wonderful time now this seems strange to us because we don't understand arranged marriages but but in those days to become an old maid or to become no one wanted was a horrible thing you wouldn't be married you wouldn't have children you wouldn't be fruitful and multiply and so women were begging God please send me someone who will want me that's exactly the way I was when I would stick that needle in my arm and I would shoot those drugs into my vein and I would get sick and go into convulsions I would plead Please, God, don't let me die until I find what happiness is, till I find what love is. And then one day, God sent a little guy by the name of Bill Trujillo as I'm sitting on my porch, long hair and tattoos and earrings, smoking a joint. How many know what a joint is? Shame on you. Smoking a joint. And he walks up to me and he says, I've never done this before, but Jesus told me to tell you that that he's the one you're looking for. I'm telling you, the servant came and introduced me to the bridegroom and all I had to do was say yes. She's never met him, but she is so excited. The servant says, now I'm going to go back. Do you agree? Here's the price he will pay. Do you agree? She says, yes. And that's why Peter said, you love him, but you haven't seen him. And you're just excited because now you're going to fulfill the will of God. You're going to be a a wife. You're going to be a mother. You're going to keep the lineage of the Jewish people going. And so the servant goes, and even though he's gone, the Bible says she's excited because she has the promise of the bridegroom now watch this the servant goes back says i've got you a bride and so the next thing that happens is the bridegroom comes to meet the bride for the first time when he comes he brings her the price has already been uh, agreed upon and he brings her 10 coins as payment in full Now the servant may have left one coin or three coins or five coins, but he is not, he is not, she is not his until the price has been paid in full. It's where we get the engagement ring. I pulled this out of Tiz's, Tiz's office. I don't know if you can see this, but here's a picture when a woman would get engaged they would give her 10 coins and she would make a headdress or a headband of all 10 coins. And as soon as he came and gave her the 10th coin, he would then shout out, the price has been paid in full. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what you've gone through, when Jesus shed his blood, he shouted from the cross, the price has been paid in full. Somebody give him a clap offering. After the price has been paid in full, they would pull out what's called in Hebrew. Now, this is, this is mine and Tiz's. It's called a ketubah, which means a contract or a legal agreement. It, it the ketubah in Hebrew means what is written. And they would sign this, the price. She's wearing her 10 gold coins or 10 silver coins. They would sign a ketubah. The main ingredient is, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And this is a legal document, not protecting the bridegroom so much, but protecting the bride and saying, I've made a contract. I've pledged my word. And no matter what, I'm going to take care of my bride. I'm going to cover my bride. I'm going to protect my bride. I'm going to provide for my bride. Once this is written, no one can steal my provision off of my bride. Somebody shout amen. Now watch this. After he pays it in full, and after he he pays in full, he shouts, it's paid in full. He lets everybody know. Now there's a reason for this. Then she takes the gold coins and she wears it as a headband. It's paid in full. Then when they take the ketubah, the contract, the covenant, and they both sign it, then he shouts to the village, It's finished! Oh, come on. Somebody ought to shout amen. When Jesus shed his blood those seven times... And he hung on that cross and he said, my God, my God, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the father turned his face from Jesus for the first time because he paid the price in full for the bride of the Lamb of God. Jesus said to all the world, it is finished. Come on, somebody ought to give him a clap offering. Now watch this, the price has been paid in full, the contract has been signed, he shouts out it's finished, now they are legally bound together, in Hebrew it's called eroshin or kedushin which means to be made holy this contract the price being paid in full this contract being signed she is dipped she is dipped in a in a mikvah she is made a virgin again no matter what no matter what had happened before when she comes out of that mikvah out of that baptismal tank she is born again she is as if no sin had ever touched her she is a spotless bride he shouts it's finished they are now legally bound together let no man put asunder It's called Eroshin or Kedushin. Because he signed the contract, she is now holy. No one can ever bring up something from her past. No one can ever mention something from her past. No one can ever accuse something of her past. She is now made holy. Somebody ought to shout amen. The price has been paid the contract signed. It's paid in full. It's finished She's made holy, but watch this but legally they cannot even though they're bound spiritually They cannot physically be together Now watch this they're in the village. They're in her village He comes from a far land to her village. He says to all of the people around her It's paid in full He signs the ketubah. It's finished. She is holy. They can never bring up anything. They can never. And even though he lives far away. He's making sure she's paid for. He's making sure she's protected. He's making sure she's provided for. He's making sure she's eating well. He's making sure she's full. Full in every way. But then he says to her in front of the village. I have to go away. I go to my father's house. To prepare a place for you. Because when the wedding takes place. She leaves that village. And she becomes his family. And they build a wing onto the father's house. When you go to Israel with us, you'll see it happening to this day. You'll see a house, and then you'll see something that's been built next to it. Then you'll see something that's being built. That guy has been engaged to someone. And so he says in front of the village and in front of her, I must go away. She, of course, will say, no, Lord, don't go. He said, I must. It's best for you that I go. But he says in front of everybody, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. But I will return. Come on. This is exactly the way it happened. She then says in front of witnesses, when will you return? How long will it be? He says, I don't know because it is not up to me. But are not up to the servant, but only up to the father. For only the father knows when I can come back. Listen to this. Mark 13, but on that day and hour no man knows, neither the angels in heaven, the servants, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, Jesus says, and watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Watch there for you, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming back. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. He said, I've got to go. She said, no, honey, don't go. He said, no, honey, it's best that I go. But I'm going to leave my servant here, and he's going to make sure you're taken care of. He's going to make sure you're provided for. He's going to make sure you're protected. But I'm going to my dad's house, and I'm going to build you a mansion. Don't you think I'm not coming back? I may be leaving now, but I'm going to return. When will you return? I don't know. The servant doesn't know. Only my father knows. But I promise you, when my dad says it's time... I'm coming back. Now, watch this. Why would the man say, I don't know when I'm coming back? Because in Jewish tradition, in media's tradition, while the while the, the bride is there and the bridegroom is at the father's house, the servant stays to protect her, to provide for her, but also to watch her and report to the father whether or not she's being holy, whether or not she's being true, whether or not she's being faithful. And if she ever turns and is not the bride that the bridegroom got engaged to, Then he will not allow his son to return. This is why in Luke, what is it, Luke 15, when the Bible talks about the woman who loses one of her coins. When the woman would wear the coins, all ten coins says the price is paid in full. All 10 coins were saying, I'm not available to anybody else. I'm engaged. I'm another man. I don't belong to you in this village. I belong to another man in another village. But if she would lose one of these coins... Or if she was seen with only nine coins. It meant that the servant took one of the coins from her. Because she was not being faithful. She was not being true. So that's why the Bible says in Luke. When she lost the coin. She looked all night long. I'm not going to let my bridegroom hear. I've been unfaithful. But when she found the coin. They all began to celebrate. There's no misconception. I am still Bought with a price. Somebody shout amen. She must not always be faithful at all times, but she must be ready at all times. Read what it, listen what it says again. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered. And at midnight, everybody say midnight. Yeah. At midnight, a cry was heard. And behold, the bridegroom is coming to go out and meet him. When the bridegroom would come, it's usually at midnight. This was the tradition. Why? Because when she was when she was there, the sign that she had not changed her mind was not only the ten coins, but the sign that she had not changed her mind—that she was still. All she could think about was her bridegroom coming to get her. Would be that oil lamp, and I wish I'd have brought. I've, I've got some from the days of Abraham. They'll only burn for a little while. So every few hours, you got to keep filling that up. You got to keep filling that up. That's why the Bible says we're leaky vessels. It's not just I got saved or I got engaged or I got married to Jesus 20 years ago every day You got to fill that vessel up. You got to keep that light going You got to take care of business because you don't know when he's coming He may come in the evening. He may come at midnight. He may come in the morning He may come when the rooster crows, but when he comes he's going to look at your house And if that light has gone out, it's a sign that you're not interested anymore and he will go away but when the light is burning it's saying come on honey i'm ready to go now watch this this is why the bridegroom usually came at midnight during the day you could not see from a distance the oil burning it's not like today oil was precious oil was expensive They didn't keep lights burning all night long. So when that bridegroom looked from a long way away and he knew about where his bride's house was and he could see that flicker of light, he needed to be dark as can be so usually he would come at midnight because at daytime it might be, you might have to get too close, but at nighttime you could see that that bride was ready from a long distance away so he'd usually come at midnight. This is why Jesus says, I come as a thief. So when the father would say, I've been watching the bride, she's exactly the way she was when you left her. And the father would say, now go get your bride. The servant would come before the bridegroom. He would stand in the street of her village. He would blow, he would blow the shofar As a trump of God. And that would let the village know. These aren't thieves coming in. But this is the bridegroom coming for his bride. So he would blow the shofar. And then he would shout. The bridegroom cometh. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel, the servant, the messenger, and with the trump of God, Matthew 25, 6. And at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. So when you see these things begin to happen... You need to make sure your oil lamp is full. You need to make sure your fire is lit. You need to make sure your bags are packed. You need to make sure you haven't been distracted. Because the Bible says when the trumpet was blown, there were 10 virgins, not all the same place, not all of the same bridegroom, but all of them were brides. All of them were virgins. All of them had the contract. All of them had the gold coins, but five of them let the oil run out. They got too interested in soccer, they got too interested in jobs, they got too interested in the world, they got too interested in music, they got too interested in whatever, and the oil went out, and all of a sudden while they were sleeping they heard the sound of the trumpet they heard the voice, the bridegroom coming, and they ran and said, give us some of your oil they said, no, we gotta make sure our fire's burning until he gets here, make sure you're on fire somebody shout amen now watch this so when blow, when the when the, the servant would blow the shofar and he would cry out the bridegroom cometh the bride would come running out of her house to make sure that lamp is lit to add loyal oil to it and she would say i'm ready I'm ready. And then as the bridegroom came in front of the the procession, she would cry out when she sees her bride. She would cry out in Hebrew, Blessed is he, blessed is he who comes to me in the name of the Lord of Israel. And Matthew 23, Jesus said, For I say unto you, you shall not see me, no more till I hear you say, "Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord." Somebody needs a shout, Amen. Now watch this. He's gone home. He, she's there. She's the Proverbs 31 woman. She's, she's weaving fine linen. When the bridegroom would come, when the bridegroom would come, the price has been paid. She would then, weaving fine linen, she would then present him a a, a tallit which represents the temple of God, the word of God, the promises of God. And she would wrap her beloved up in the tallit saying, our family will be blessed under the canopy of God's word, God's power, and God's anointing. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Then they were married that day and they would take the tallit or a chuppah and they would make a canopy and the four, their four bro- groomsmen would hold this over the bride and the groom and the bride would come and she would walk around her husband. The bride would walk around the bridegroom seven times receiving the seven blessings of the temple, receiving the ble- seven blessings of marriage. And as she was was receiving the seven blessings of the marriage, they're under the temple reminding them of the tabernacle in the wilderness where the high priest would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat seven times. And you and I are reminded that Jesus redeemed us. He made us his bride not by some silver or some gold by incorruptible blood and he sprinkled his blood seven different times and when the seventh place was shed and Jesus paid the price in full for all the mankind whoever would say to him I do will you receive me as your savior I do will you receive me as your king I do will you receive me as your Lord I do will you allow me to take your sin your sin be a scarlet and make you white as snow i do and we know that that blood covers us and someday soon he will return somebody shout amen when the bride and the bridegroom would get married everybody that was invited to the wedding hung around for seven days the bride and the bridegroom after the wedding, would go into the bridal chamber, the house, the mansion that he prepared for, for seven days. After seven days, the bride and the bridegroom would return and we would have the wedding supper of the Lamb. When the rapture takes place, we will be gone with him for seven years. And for seven years... Satan will rule and reign on this earth. You want to make sure you make it to the wedding. You want to make sure you make it to the wedding. Because all those who made it to the wedding, those will be at the wedding supper. And from that point on, we will rule and reign forever. Can I have an amen? Look with me in the book of Luke. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your waist be girded, your lamps be burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find you watching. Assuredly I say to you that he will gird himself And have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them and if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants but who know? but know this that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into therefore you also be ready For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect him. If God was to ask you right now, when do you think Jesus is coming? Our response needs to be, I don't know, but I'm ready right now. I believe the signs of the coming is the signs of great time in the kingdom. Look at me a second. I'm not afraid, I'm excited. Uh, remember that song from the, the group Sticks? These are the best of times. I do believe these are the best of times. It's obvious that Jesus is coming. The question is if he came today, would you, your family, your children be ready to go? If not, he's given you an invitation, it's written in full for you to come and be a part of his wedding. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and Christians are praying for souls right now. Maybe you're here, and you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I've I've never been born again. I've, you know, I've I've just never had much use for religion. Can I tell you something? Neither do I. I'm not religious. If you if you hang around this church for a while, you can find out we're not religious, but we do know Jesus Christ as our lord and savior he is our bridegroom and we are his bride not because we did anything but he sent a servant to speak to our hearts and all we did was say yes he signed the contract and he paid the price in full would you stand with me all over the building how many could say pastor i'm ready for jesus to come back how many know that this is not a doom and gloom time This is a time that God's going to open the windows of heaven. This is a time for the gifts of the Spirit. This is a time for the anointing. This is a time for the end time transfer of wealth. This is the most exciting time in the history of the Bible. And you and I get to be a part of it. Somebody say amen.